you have your Bible, I invite you to open to 1 Samuel chapter 25. And when you do, you see a story that is very incredible here. Pastor Melanie read part of it for us just a little while. Many of you may have participated in dramas when you were younger. Uh, some of you may have been in musicals or some sort of plays somewhere along the way. How many of you are actors or participants in something like that when you were younger? Or maybe even still you are. It was fun. It was part of my life growing up. And, and then in college, I enjoyed theater and drama. And it was wonderful to participate in. It taught me a lot. I learned a lot from it. But if you come into this story today, you want to ask the question, who are the main characters? Who are the main people that this story is talking about? Of course, you've always got God, who is the participant, the unseen participant in the story. But who are the players we're going to see come across the stage and the people that we're going to follow in the drama that they represent? Well, we know that we're going to see David, and we know that we're going to see a guy named Nabal, and we know we're going to see his wife, Abigail. There are going to be 600 soldiers we're also going to see, only a little bit of, and there is a servant person that we're going to hear a little bit about. So those are the main players that are going to be on the stage. And then we ask the question, well, well, what's the setting? What's the setting of this particular situation? What's going on during this time? Well, it's pretty easy to see what's going on. When you begin to study what is happening here, it is uh, that David is being pursued by Saul. David has already been in line to become king, but he is not yet king. It is not his season yet. Have you ever been promoted by, by voice? In other words, they have said you're going to be promoted, or perhaps your name has already been printed in the page somewhere, but you have not yet assumed the office. You have not yet moved into that role. If that is a case that you've experienced, you know something about what's going on with David, because he already knows he's going to become king, but it's not quite his season to be king. And that holding pattern can be a real, a real bear. It can be a real challenge for us whenever we're kind of in that holding pattern between and betwixt because we're wanting to get there, but we're not yet there. And Saul is jealous of David. He does not like David. He knows he's the next king. He knows David has done some great things. He knows David is wildly popular, but it's not yet time for him to leave the throne, and it's not yet time for David to take the throne. As a matter of fact, he has pursued David. David has a number of soldiers, 600, and he leaves the space where Saul is and moves away from where Saul is, and he's now out in a desert region. Out in this region, he has become neighbors to Nabal. His men are going to protect over Nabal's business over his flocks. They're not going to replace the shepherds and all the employees that Nabal has, but they're going to make sure that nothing wild gets into the herd. They're going to make sure nothing, nothing crazy happens and no one comes along and steals anything from him. They're going to make sure everything is taken care of as it should be. As a matter of fact, Nabal can go to sleep at night not worrying about anything for everything he would want is taken care of by David and his men. And the scripture would tell us, really, that he didn't have to worry about a thing. You would think everything would be all right, but I've titled this message, Living Above the Neighbor Neighborhood Fray. You moved into your neighborhood, you moved in there some time ago, but now you have a different story going on than when you moved in. 
You thought it was going to be peaceful. You thought it was going to be all right. You thought, thought, thought. But you forgot to go at that neighborhood and just park your car and sit there at night before you bought that house to make sure that nothing crazy happened with the neighborhood while it was nighttime. You, you forgot to look over the fence to see who the neighbor might be and how they lived and cared for their yard. You forgot to listen for the sounds of the dogs yapping and the people revving their engines, and you forgot to listen for the music of the kid next door who liked to rock out so loud you can hear it. You forgot to do that, living above the neighborhood fray. The drama opens up, and the first scene shows us that there is trouble in the neighborhood. David and Nabal are now neighbors. Nabal is a very, very wealthy man. He's not your average neighbor. He's a wealthy man. Your Bible indicates to us he is a stingy man. Have you ever met somebody that is wealthy and stingy? I have. I don't like them. They're not fun to be around. You think Ebenezer Scrooge when you think of that, right? Somebody that is just really crusty. They have a lot, but they don't ever share it with people that might be in need. If you know somebody like that, say yes. You do. And then the Bible says that he is a belligerent man. In verse 25 of your passage, it says his name means, are you ready? His name means fool. He is a fool. Bible doesn't use that term very often, but it uses that term here to describe him. Let's think back to the future. You remember those movies? That trilogy showed us. You remember Biff? He kind of comes to my mind when I think of Back to the Future. Biff, somebody like him, who is belligerent, and depending on the movie that you see, one in that trilogy shows Biff as a very wealthy man. That is Nabal. That is who you have in mind now. Now, the customs of the culture said this. Whenever it comes time for sheep shearing, you're getting the wool. It's quite an industry. You're going to make a big, big profit. It says that you want to remember to take care of the poor when you get your wealth coming in. And let me just say this. When you and I get blessed, we're not blessed just so we can be cool and comfortable. We're blessed to be a blessing. Remember, we're passing through. Don't hold on to it too tight. I attended a funeral yesterday. Don't hold on to it too tight. It all, it all goes to somebody else someday. You might as well direct where it goes do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going, is the saying. And so if you live with an open hand, you can have a much better life. I live my life with an open hand, and it's a much more enjoyable ride. It's sheep shearing time, and the people that are having a bountiful, a bountiful bumper crop, if you will, are supposed to share with those people in need. That's where verse 8 of our passage says, David sends his young men over, and he says, tell them in my name that you're here and ask if they've got anything to spare. We would really appreciate the blessing of them giving us something. It was a reasonable request, and David, having been a shepherd, knew this is what's supposed to happen. Have you ever known something that's supposed to happen and know people that don't come through just simply doing what they should do? It's a weird and awkward feeling. You wish you could help them do what they should do. Am I right? But you just can't make them do it. You can't make your kid always. You can't make your parents always. You can't make your spouse always. You can't make your employer. You can't make, make, you can't make. And you realize your limitations. 
Verse 10 of our passage, Nabal, who knew full well who David was, says, David who? He's been out there guarding his flocks. He's been in the neighborhood quite a while. He's a, he's a person that everybody has heard about. You know about David and Goliath. Everybody knows about that. That's one of the nighttime stories you tell your kids. It's just absolutely amazing. And then he says in verse 11, well, they should have been working. Have you ever been rich or had something and you just all of a sudden get stingy with it? And then you just say of the other people around you, well, they ought to work if they want it. They ought to be, they had been working. They were working preserving the next king. They were working taking care of the neighborhood. Neighborhood watch patrolling all of the flocks next door. They had been working. But it wasn't good enough for somebody who's belligerent, ego-driven, and somebody who is very wealthy and crusty with that. He knew full well who this was. You know, one day they asked Jesus a question. said, can you tell us what the greatest commandment is? What would you ask Jesus if you could be with Jesus? They said, Jesus, would you tell us what the greatest command is? And he said, I can sum up the law and the prophets in these two little sentences. And then he says, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of yourself. He doesn't stop there. Verse 31, he says, and you are to love, listen to this, you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Nabal did neither. If he had just remembered this type of thought, he could have made such a great difference in the neighborhood. And the title of this message would have been different. And the outcome would have been much different than what we see. The second scene in this drama unfolds. And coming on the stage now, we see that opposites can attract. Generally, we understand that when people get married, a loud person might marry a quiet person. You ever notice that? A giving person will marry a saving person. You ever notice? It's amazing how opposites can attract. You think about your own relationship. Maybe opposites attract. Pam's good looking, I'm not, and opposites attract. And she can play the piano, and I can't, and I can preach, and she can't, and, well, she can at home. <laughs> Since I'm here, I'll say it, but I would never say it in front of her, because I might get in trouble or something. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> Pray for me. I've got to live with her after a while. Oh, Nabal was married to an incredible person, but the Bible says in verse 3 of Nabal himself, he's very harsh in his dealings. Verse 17, one of his co-workers, what would your co-workers say of you? What would the people that you have employed say of you? What do they say of you? I think it's interesting when an employee at the church wants to stay here a longer time. I, I like that. It's a compliment to what's going on. It's not that they're bad and can't find something else, but it's a compliment the longevity of some of the of the staff we've been able to see here. Verse 17, his co-worker, his servant, his employee said that he's such a wicked man, nobody can ever talk to this guy. You can't even approach this dude. That's what he said. Abigail, who lived with him as his wife, you know what she said? She said in verse 25, he is a wicked man. And look at verse 36 of your scripture. He is given to drunkenness. I don't know what the big deal is with drinking. I don't get it. I've had people sit down with me and confess out sins that if they had been sober, they would never have committed. They're embarrassed and they're broken and they're hurting. And let me say this, you may, you may be able to drink and not get drunk and get messed up, 
but your kids may have an addictive personality, and if they see you do it, what are they going to do? They don't know when to stop. And your brother and your sister. Butch tells me he celebrated 28 years of coming off of these things. That, he's sitting right out here, and we love you, Butch. There's a man coming into the second service that next month celebrates two years of sobriety. And he's so excited about it. And I'm excited with him. This Sunday morning, 13 people are being baptized over at Lehighton campus. If you want to leave here and go there afterwards, you'll see them at the end of second service. They're getting baptized today. And the beautiful thing about it is you see Joe and his wife Logan and they shared their testimony on the stage just a few weeks back. Powerful testimony of deliverance from all kinds of drugs and all kinds of stuff. I don't get it. This story here is one more story about a guy doing a dumb net thing because he was wasted out of his head drunk. And there are other crutches that you can go to. This morning I read several chapters in the Bible. Didn't lean on any other crutch this morning but the scriptures. And I found strength in my soul had nothing to do with what I was preaching about. It was just nourishment for me I needed. And I came up here today with a full cup. This is what we must do. This is what we can do. It's kind of quiet in here, and I'm not mad at anybody, but I want to tell you something. We can make a difference by our testimony, and we're going to stand out as different and odd if we don't allow ourselves to lean on all the crutches of society today. Say, Kev, you're going after it. Listen, I'm hearing too much brokenness on the other side of this. And COVID seemed to accelerate drugs and alcohol and addictions to pornography. And it's bringing out the worst in us, not the best in us in a lot of cases. Ann Spangler in her writing, I don't know if she's kin to Lee and Lola here, but Ann Spangler in her writing, she said this. She describes Nabal, blockhead, numbskull, nimcompoop. <laughs> Words strike us as harshly and humorously. But any woman married to a man worthy of such labels would have little to laugh about. Abigail, on the other hand, is a major contrast. She is a major contrast. Verse 3 says, she is beautiful. Woo-hoo-hoo! Heat wave walking in. She's very wise. And she's very aware. She followed the news enough to know that David was next in line to be king. And she followed the news enough to know the story of David and Goliath. She's aware. She knew her husband was all about himself and that he made poor choices and she had bailed him out time and again. I wonder if really we could say she was an enabler. She must have lived a very stress-filled marriage. I'm not going to ask for a witness today, but I would imagine there would be some witnesses, at least online, if not in the room. But notice something else about her. She is very committed to God. And you know what that tells me? That tells me this. This is powerful. You can be committed to, listen to this. You can be committed. Are you listening? If you are, say yes. You can be committed to God even if the person you're married to is not. May not be ideal, but you can be. Someone sitting here, someone watching me right now, you need what I just said. You can be committed to God even if your husband is not. My grandma Federhoff was committed to God. My grandpa Federhoff was not. I'm standing here in part today because my grandma ended up following after Jesus and was a big influence in my life. 
You can follow after Jesus, even if others don't. Cheryl Ford puts it this way. Even though Abigail was locked into a terribly difficult marriage with a wicked man, she never stooped to his level but kept her dignity. Her adversities produced diamonds in her character. Wow. And then let's look at the third scene. It opens up. Cooler heads must prevail. Cooler heads must prevail. The news came back to David. Nabal says he doesn't even know who you are. He thinks we all should be working another job. He figures we're just runaways. And he's not going to share any of the bounty with us. He's going against everything that we know to be normal. How would you have responded to that? How would you have responded to that? He says, strap up your sword, ye to the ha. We're getting ready to go and take care of some business in the neighborhood. We're going to go take care of what nobody else has taken care of. We're going to go settle something nobody else has been big enough to settle. We're going to go deal with something nobody else had dealt with. Have you ever wanted to do that? You just want to go settle the score, calm the neighborhood, calm the bully, calm everybody around you? He said, strap on your sword. Get your sword. Get your sword. You got your sword? Is it sharp? You have yours? We're going. And we're going to wipe him out. And not only him, but all of his guys. We're going out for blood. 200 of you, you stay here. 400 of you, you're going with me. We're going over and we're going to eliminate this guy. Nabal's servant heard Nabal spout off at those young guys that had come and asked very kindly for a little bit of handout and help. And he goes running, boogity, 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 as quick as he can go. He's running back over to Abigail. He says, oh, my stars. I think he said that. He said, oh, my stars. He said, look in verse 14, you've got to help us. Basically paraphrasing, he says, Nabal has done it again. He has done it again. He has opened his mouth, he has inserted his foot, and he doesn't just have his life on the line. We've got 600 soldiers out there that are ready to come, listen to this, and kill all of us. And that means me too. You better do something about it. You better do something about it. Can you do something? Would you do something? Verses 18 and 20 of your passage says that Abigail stepped up to the plate and she began to do something. I don't know if she's just rescuing her husband alone? Nope, she's not. She's rescuing the servant alone? Nope. She's rescuing herself? Nope. She was on an appointment in this mission. If she's ever been an enabler, I believe she was on a divine appointment because God wanted David to be king. And he will do whatever he has to to preserve the dignity. Get a load of this. He sends Abigail, if you will, and she meets David, and guess what she does? She brings food with her, which is what he has asked for. She brings all kinds of goods with her. She's very important in her mission. And David is coming down, and she is coming up in this meeting here. And as David and his guys are starting to come down, she come before him, and she bows herself to the ground. She doesn't come to him like some wealthy landowner, some great big hot dog sheep shearer owner. No, she comes to him in humility. That's the best way to go in this situation. She wasn't going to take anger to meet anger. She wasn't going to fight fire with fire. She went with humility, and in these moments, she knew how to deal with people that were red hot. She had dealt with Nabal. She had learned some of her lessons, and she says to him in these moments, oh, my star, you don't want to do what you're about to do. Look at your Bible. She says, verse 25, his name is as it is. You know what his name means, right? His name is fool. Fool. 
Verse 31 of our passage here. Nabal would be a staggering burden of needless bloodshed for you. David, you don't want this on your record. You don't want to go to the throne having wiped out a little guy as incidental as him. You don't want this to happen. David, you have a higher purpose. Listen to this woman. Verse 29, the Lord your God will keep you safe when your enemies try to kill you. In other words, you're running from Saul. God has a bigger purpose and he has not forgotten you. I wish I knew who to say it to this morning, but somebody needs to hear it. God knows where you are. He knows how to protect you. And whatever's formed against you is not going to prosper because God is on your side. He is protecting you. He is with you. He is in you. And he is going to take you through whatever situation that you're dealing with. Somebody needs to receive that today. Verse 30 says this, but the lives of your enemies will be hurled away as from a pocket of the sling. You know what that's talking about? Just like you took care of David and Goliath, guess what? It's going to happen again. God is going to take care of them. And you know how David responds? He de-escalates his anger because he's a sensible man. He really does love God, but he hates injustice. And in these moments, in these moments, as a sensible man, he gave from blasting Nabal to blessing the Lord. That's the difference this lady made as she stood it in the gap and said, you don't want to do this. This would be a crazy thing. Cheryl Ford again, she says this, though beautiful Abigail did not use sensuality to manipulate men. That's unlike our culture today. John Maxwell in his writing about this said it this way, Abigail was wise enough to appeal to David's heart, mind, and even his stomach. Instead of anger, she wanted him to feel compassion. And listen to this. She also painted a picture of a better future for him. How could David resist? One of the things I often did with my kids was I tried to paint a picture of the preferred future in the reality as they were caught up in the moment of something and said, listen, if you can allow yourself to think beyond now, your hormones, this moment, if you can think about your future, it's brighter than your present. It's going to be right then. It's not right now. It's going to be better then. It's not better now. It's, not the thing. it's going to work out then. It's not working out right now. You see what I'm saying? It's going to happen, and that's what's happening right here. Well, there's another scene that opens up. Listen faster, watch faster. Here it goes. We're going to see the party of all parties. Everybody likes to go to a good party. Everybody likes to have a good time, don't you? It's fun to be able to just let your hair down, enjoy and relax. Abigail went home and found Nabal hosting a massive party in verse 36 of our passage here. The sheep shearing prophets were high. And Nabal did what he only knew to do. He went to his go-to, and his go-to was to drink. And so when he celebrated, he felt like he needed to drink. So he drank. There are other ways to celebrate without doing that. But he drank. And when he drank, he got drunk out of his head. As a matter of fact, your Bible says he was so drunk that when Abigail got home, she couldn't even talk to him and make any sense. She knew he would not be able to process, and he would not be able to remember tomorrow, or he might do something so irrational in the moment that it would not work out well. So verse 37 and 38 of your Bible, it tells us this, that in the morning, in the morning, she spoke to Nabal and said, this is what happened yesterday, and this is what I did. Now, if you're Nabal, what do you think is going to happen? He's going to get mad out of his mind, right? He is mad as a hornet. He gets so mad. How mad have you seen somebody get? How mad have you gotten? I've gotten pretty mad in my life. I wasn't real proud of it, but I've gotten pretty ticked before. Oh my goodness, that's not fun to be that way. Veins stick out, blood pressure goes up, you say stuff that's stupid, right? 
He got so mad. I don't know. They didn't do autopsies then. I don't know whether it was a stroke or a heart attack, but he had one or the other in his anger, in his fit of rage. Listen to this. It knocked him down, and for 10 days, he languished in that condition, and 10 days later, he died. Reminds me of what she said. God will take care of this as a rock from the sling. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it something how God has taken care of some of your things for you that you didn't have to take care of? And if you had done them the way you thought, it would have been dumb. He died with a full bank account, but a very empty heart. Very empty heart. So I asked you a question. What do you do when the music stops? He got mad and died. Okay, the last scene, it opens up, and here it is. All's well that ends well. Abigail receives a request in her grief. I think her grief was mixed with, with some celebration, to tell you the truth. And Abel's dead. How could she not rejoice? I can't imagine that the residue of upset was still with her. But how could she not rejoice? Verse 39 of our passage says that David learns that Nabal is dead and he immediately sent for Abigail. He immediately sent for her and asked that she would become his wife. Verse 31. She had said to him, when the, when the Lord brings you success, remember your servant. She had no clue it was going to be this way. Boy, he sure did remember. Well, could you imagine them telling their kid how they met? <laughs> Some stories are better left unsaid, and maybe your story's better left unsaid. Before, she probably had an arranged marriage with Nabal, who probably put her on his best foot, but now she has a choice. What would you have said if you had been Abigail? She said, yes. She said, yes. And she became his wife. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What are we supposed to do with this message? What are you supposed to do with it? What am I supposed to do with it? What should we do with a message like this? Well, let me talk to you, David. If you're David, let me talk to you just for a minute. Remember James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life God desires. Maybe you want to rethink how you're going to approach that person on Monday. Nabal, if you're sitting here, if you're listening, if you're watching Nabal, I want to talk to you just for a minute, Nabal, before you do something completely insultingly stupid that is so regrettable. Remember the parable Jesus taught in the New Testament? Oh, Nabal, I know you didn't get to hear it, but the, today Nabal can. When in the Gospels, Jesus said a story of a certain rich man that had an abundant harvest. And he stood there musing as if saying to himself, what shall I do? What shall I do? I know what I'll do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. They're not big enough. I'm going to go ahead and build me some bigger barns 
some better barns. It's all about me, me, me. But God says in the parable Jesus is saying, God said to him, verse 20, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get all the stuff you prepared for yourself? The older I get, the more I realize nothing is prepared for us. I was lamenting the other day, yesterday I think it was, Friday maybe, when I came into this building and thinking, man, we had the privilege of building this, but one day my time will be through here, and this building will still be here, ministry will still happen, and it won't be happening because I'm leading the charge. We're just a vapor. It all goes back in the box. Nabal, wake up, remember your God. Abigail, what about you? Maybe you need to step up and make that one brave decision. The one brave decision in our state, in our nation, in our world. She dealt with a world leader here. Some of you might have that privilege to deal with leaders of companies and corporations and leaders of influence in the school systems and in the sports leagues. You may be able to influence them. What should you do? John Maxwell says it this way. When wisdom is paired with action, wisdom and action, it can save families, beat back hostile armies, bring together enemies, and it can change the world. We need Abigail in the Middle East right now. And maybe in your own Middle East, you need Abigail. May the spirit of Abigail rest on you if that's what you need. You've been very kind as we have gone now to the drama and seen it. Our ticket has been spent. Our time is now past. What is our takeaway? You decide. You decide. And a message like this deserves some discussion. So when you go to brunch in just a little bit, and you sit there eating brunch. Maybe you don't want to just talk about all that other stuff that's only stuff. This season will pass. This day will pass. This stuff will pass. But maybe you want to talk about some of this eternal stuff we just talked about. As you move forward. Lord Jesus... Thank you for speaking to us through your word. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. We are made better by you. Thank you for talking to us through such an old story, but a real story. And thank you for the life lessons that are coming out loud and clear as we continue this journey through some of the Older Testament people and see what they're all about. And then learn what you're saying to us in this day. We love you, Lord, and pray that you would be with any of us if we're David or Nabal or Abigail, that we might follow your will in your name. Amen. Let's stand, please.